2: Are you ready? You want the noise brought on you? Because here it comes. What? The noise brought on you? Because here it comes. This is my job. This is The Bob and Jeff Show, starring Bob Lutz. How do I turn the dial
3: on the show I'm on? I feel like I got nowhere to go. Truth be told majority of the american people would
1: ultimately empathize with our situation jeff lutes the reason there's no
4: weaklings is because there's no stronglings.
2: nature versus nurture nature always wins 97.5 in 1240 kfh
3: everything you need to make it happen hello again everyone welcome to monday edition the bob and jeff show kfh radio we've been off for a little bit the weather has gone hotter every day Uh, Bob Lutz, Jeff Lutz here to co-host, Max Power Producing Engineering. We are in the West Wichita basement studio in a cool room. How are you doing? I'm okay. That's it? Yep. That's all you got? That's all I got. So we're off to a rough start on a Monday. Give me you mean rough start? I'm okay. That's how I'm doing. Just okay? Just okay. How's the, uh, what are they saying out at uh, Storm Team 12 about the oppressive heat? Uh, Just that, that it's hot
4: and... Going to stay hot for a little while, and who knows after that.
3: Yeah, we just got to get to the weekend. Sounds like it's going to ease up a little bit when we get to Saturday, so we'll see. High 80s. College football begins Saturday. Which is going to feel a lot
4: better. Yeah, we're thinking about heading out uh, camping this weekend. Really? Where are you headed?
3: Same place as last time. Oh, nice. Relaxing for you. Yeah, enjoy that. Well, there you go. We'll see how it goes. And when do you leave on the big excursion to New York? That'll be probably next Friday. And you'll be gone the entire following week?
4: Yes, that's correct.
3: So i got to get Duda involved in in those shows. Starting on when? Nine. On the first? Yes. Day or night? After Uh, the show? Depends. So on the 5th of uh, September... Fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth, we'll need co hosts. Yeah. You'll be back for the 11th the show on the uh, 11th yes. of September. Well, there you go. And I will, and I'll have uh, a lot
4: to say, lots to share.
3: Well, we'll see. If I we'll don't
4: uh, do that already on the show before then,
3: we'll see how it goes. Oh, I have a lot. You know, it could be good, it could be uh, very interesting. Is that the first show of this new tour? Yes. Well, we'll see what they do. I was always
4: going to go to the first tour, first show of the tour, until they said it was in New York. And then I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Well, that's hard. thought it would be in like Charlotte or something. Uh, but they went to Madison Square Garden, and so I'll, I will I got to do it too.
3: Well, that's a good place to do your first uh, show. I'm excited. 869-1240, the IHOP hotline. I went out and saw the wind surge in the Springfield Cardinals. When surge really took it to Springfield in that series, I did manage to see the only Vic- the only Springfield win, and uh, outside of a couple guys, that Springfield team has nothing, and uh, the Cardinals are in dire straits. Well, it's their double A team. Do they have any? Like, they
4: called Mason Win up. They've got a lot of young players already in the big leagues. So.
3: I know that, but uh, I am hopeful that Victor Scott the second. Is as good as I think he's gonna be. Well, you already know he's gonna run and play defense, so he's got uh, two of the "quote unquote" five tools already. Checked I think he's off. Vince Coleman with probably not the base stealing capacity, although he runs like the wind. What does he have like eighty but steals? But a better hitter. Um, I think he's outstanding. I love watching. I watched him and throw the ball in the outfield between innings. He's got a cannon. Um, and I love Thomas Segesi as well. Segesi, you got to get whatever that right. his name, whatever his name is. Got to spell it right. You haven't been doing that. You got to say it right. S a g g e
4: s e. S a g e s s e. No, I don't think that's right.
3: It is. No, I don't think so. It is. No. Uh, He's come
4: through twice and uh, with two different teams. He pounds baseball. Well, he hit for the cycle in the game you were at. Were you? Were you still there when he hit the double? Yes,
3: of course I was. I left in the ninth. I want to see him finish it off. Um, so two guys out of that entire roster excite me. Tink Hentz, of course, but I didn't see him. And well, He shouldn't really excite you at this point. Why?
4: He's just okay right now. He hasn't pitched a lot of innings. He fades uh, after the first well, couple. He'll build,
3: they'll build him up. He'll be okay. We'll he's, see. There's, he's uh, a slim, slight guy. Well, he's, bulk up. he'll get there. We don't know that. He'll get there. I tr- Trust me on that. Oh, because you your pitching development is just yeah. I, I'm hopeful he'll get there. Most of the people involved in baseball think he will. Well, so we'll see. We shall see. Can't count it before it happens. Uh, but your team's on a steep decline as well, so you got nothing. Mm, I got nothing. Right. Got Lam-
4: Ramon Laureano and Cole Calhoun hitting the middle of the order, which is fun. Which is all. Aw- no, that can't be fun. It's kind of fun. It was fun. It's not that fun anymore.
3: Nobody can hit. Josh Naylor's hurt. It's all bad. Why didn't you keep Richie Palacios? Because he's not good. Trust me. He made a great play yesterday. Yeah,
4: he'll provide a little energy for a week or two, and then it'll... And then you... Trust me on this. At a
3: 900 OPS at AAA. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. He could be a fourth or fifth outfielder next Perhaps. year. Um, that's all you want. You're not expecting him to be... A mainstay. You're just wanting to build some depth. A guy can run a little bit. You know, that's how that's how good teams get built.
4: Well, I hope it works out for you. It wasn't going to work out for Richie in Cleveland, so
3: we uh, wish him and his goggles the best. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, lots of football to talk about. We're starting our Big 12 previews today. Gets a little tougher with 14 teams. I've got eight books. Already this week. Nice work. That is nice work. Well, we don't have a show you know what? Wednesday. So. Yeah, I understand that. Okay. That's why I said I got eight. Well, you could have Two a seven day. or you could have nine. It doesn't really matter. But that is nice work. And that's what our uh, program director was talking about last week when I visited him. Oh, that's cool. Uh, what else did he you say? You do all the work was basically what he said. That's great. Why are we paying Jeff? Well, it looks like we still are. So as long as that keeps going. I should be fine. Uh, But it took some effort to find these folks. Mm, So today, Ryan Aber from the Daily Oklahoman will join us to talk OU. That's coming up at 2.25. At 2.45, we'll interview comedian Craig Ferguson, who will uh, be at the Orpheum Theater tomorrow night for a performance at 8 o'clock, part of his ongoing tour. And at 3.25, Justin Williams from The Athletic, he covers Cincinnati Bearcats sports, and of course Cincinnati, one of the four uh, new teams in the Big 12. will get uh, Justin Williams, his perspective on Cincinnati, which should be a, a very good addition to the Big 12 football ranks, although they do have to replace an outstanding head coach. Yeah,
4: and it uh, doesn't look like they're going to be that good this year. Is this the first year without Luke Fickle? I thought it is, was... a, it
3: is the first year without Luke
4: Fick. Okay, I thought maybe he was gone after the big year that they had getting to the CFP, but I guess he lasted another year. Well, now you got me doubting. Well, I think I I think you're I wrong. I think you're wrong. Check it out. He went to the Big 10, right? Wisconsin? Yeah, after last year. That might be right. I think it is right, but it's uh let's check and make sure. I
3: don't know why you got a, a so doubt. In I'm everybody's so mind, endowed, but it just seems you know, like people are uh, already looking out. When's Bob going to start to lose it? When Bob? I don't. I can't tell you how many times yeah, he was
4: uh, at Cincinnati from 2016 through two 20, 2022. So, well, that's what I it. said. Until you came along, Luke Fickle is going to do good things at Wisconsin.
3: Well, we'll see. I, you know, I don't watch. I don't watch a lot of Wisconsin football. Oh, well, maybe you should. They've been good for most of the most of your life they have been good uh clay cundiff uh one of our guys from wichita bishop carroll uh went up there but he's no longer gonna play injuries have gotten the best of clay cundiff and uh we send our best out to him i know that isn't an easy call for a young guy to say, I just can't do it anymore. No, it's tough. And, yeah, we're
4: glad that uh, he was able to experience a little Division One football, and we're sure he'll make good things of his life uh, post-football, right? <laughs> when
3: you go off Enjoy on those Clay tangents, Cundiff. it's really fun to listen to. Love Clay Cundiff. You, you you couldn't be more uncomfortable. No, I love Clay Cundiff. You couldn't be more uncomfortable trying to talk, trying to improvise. A wonderful human being. Just trying to... Like what? Like today. Let's let's break this down. What are we doing? Aren't you so glad that I get now? Listen, we we recorded our interview with Craig Ferguson. we not gonna lie, but aren't you so glad I get to break the ice on those things? No,
4: I could break the what ice. You'd say, "What's up, Craig?" You would.
3: Yeah, I'm not intimidated. I had like. something great to say to him. He enjoyed it. Mm, he gave you a courtesy laugh. Well, but I, I you I thought it out. Yeah, but what uh, am I going to say to Craig Ferguson? To kind of bring him into the fold, to kind of get him loosened up,
2: to kind of t- Craig
3: Ferguson. Get him talking. He doesn't need your help. Uh, and I came up with something great. Would you at least admit it?
4: No, I will not. You will not admit it. Well, I'm just tired of you thinking these professional comedians
2: on, are going to find they you funny. Love me.
4: They don't care. They forgot about you just
3: as soon as you hung up. He's probably hung I up mean, and said, you know, if I get sick tomorrow night, maybe I can get him uh, to replace yeah, me. Yeah, good luck with that. What would I, do? I I couldn't put together an act. Of course not. On a, on a one-day notice. On Give a me a month. five-year notice. What about, a mu- what about a month? What about a year?
4: I think I could do it. No, you couldn't. Write a, write a joke.
3: I don't it, know. I, I I'm got, more of a... You have till the end of the week to write a joke I'm, that you can tell us. I'm like a stage. lot of comedians, and I'm an observational comedian. Well, observe some stuff. Uh, I went it down. on a day trip with my friend uh, Wayne, my friends Wayne and Maggie, Friday, and we just we we had the the car was uh, there was so much laughter you would have thought uh, I don't know what was, oh, it was just, so funny. Ah, we're just funny people. All right. Whereas when you take this trip to New York, I don't know will you will you have some laughter course it'll be all kinds of laughter <laughs> i'm hilarious are you yes when's that gonna come through
4: mm, i think for the last 35 years or so it, it has uh, maybe. maybe a minute or two but I, I got there by kindergarten
3: so we do have football this weekend on saturday college football is there any game that will pique your interest enough to tune in I'll give you the seven one my, games.
4: One of my friends uh, up in the Lawrence or the Riverfront Stadium press box, his name is Jason. He's a big Notre Dame fan, so he's been talking up that game with Navy.
3: Well, that's uh, a good
4: game. They should crush Navy.
3: They're playing that game in Dublin, and uh, that that's probably the marquee game. Uh, you've got UTEP Jacksonville State. You've got UMass New Mexico State. That's the one showing on ESPN Saturday. You've got Ohio-San Diego State. That's an interesting game. I don't know. I don't know well, if it is or not. That's kind of an interesting game. I think Ohio game. is terrible, but I might be wrong. Somewhat of an interesting game. You've got Hawaii and Vanderbilt playing in Nashville. That's fascinating to me. Really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Just uh, I like those kinds of games that you'd never think. You'd never think about. Uh, You've got San Jose State uh, playing USC in the Coliseum. And finally, you have Florida International taking on Louisiana Tech.
4: Um, The short answer to your question would be no. You won't watch
3: any of those games. When is, uh, I don't know if I have NBC still. I don't have it with DirecTV. I, I don't know what's going on. Channel three—it's been gone for a long time, hasn't it? Oh, I can't. I what what? You know what? I need to know that. What's going on? Well, it's negotiations. Well, get it done. I don't know how that works. I need someone from Channel Three to call me and tell me what's if if there's been any movement. Is that a Channel Three because thing? Because in the summer I can. I don't need Channel. No offense, Channel Three, but I. I'm okay. Well, you have Peacock. Yeah, but I can't. I like to watch, uh, you know, the local stuff at, t- at times. Okay. Not well, there. then, yeah, I have. Uh, Am I allowed to watch their local no, newscast? Of course
4: not. Actually, yeah, Channel Three is fine, um, but not that often. So I guess I can watch Notre Dame on Peacock. That's beautiful.
3: Yeah, it'll it'll be on Peacock. So yeah. we look. Uh, we'll get to watch it there. But uh, I'm looking forward to college football starting. I always like the build-up to college football, uh, week to week, almost as much as I like the actual games.
4: You do like uh, circling games on the calendar.
3: I do. Whether they're meaningful or not. I do. I do like that. And then the following week, we have games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday in college football. uh, Over the Labor Day weekend. That's where it gets really crazy. Uh, The highlight game, LSU-Florida State, in a matchup on the 3rd, September 3rd, two top eight teams nationally in the preseason poll. I'll watch that one. That's a huge game. That is a big game. A A lot of uh, implications for that one. Well, I'm very curious to find out about Florida State. Because they're kind of pumping their chests right now. Like, we're too good for the ACC. Uh Let's well, see they what probably they, are. If the ACC is crumbling. Let's see what they do against LSU. We'll get we'll get an indication. Well, they don't LSU. They, they want to be in the too. SEC. We'll see how are you going to stand up to the the, the Bengal, the Bayou Tigers,
4: Bayou Bengals. That's what you are going for.
3: The Tigers, the LSU Tigers. I know, but the nickname
4: is the Bayou Bengals.
3: I'll call them Tigers, the Bayou Tigers. Bayou, yeah, Bayou <laughs> Tigers.
4: Uh, you struggle sometimes.
3: Why do you say that? I don't know. Why do you? Why do you point that out? It's just funny. I got to do most of the talking here on this show. No, you so, don't. Well, yes, I do. No, you don't. I bet if they took an accounting of the words said between you and Yeah, because you, you interrupt me all the time. You don't let me talk. Okay, you got the floor. No,
4: that's not how it works. I don't just take the floor when there's just random topics, but if we're having a back and forth about something, sure, I'd be happy to speak a little bit longer on some topics like Clay Cundiff. What do you want to know? What do you know about Clay Cundiff? Wonderful.
3: Human. Did you ever talk to him? Uh, No. Oh, D- who's he related to? What Gary Cundiff. What legend? Gary's, yes, that's his father, former Shocker basketball player. What football legend is Clay Cundiff? John related? Riggins. Wrong. Hmm. He's the grandson of Eddie Crewell. That's pretty cool. Yeah. For, I think I knew that. Yeah, well, you, you didn't know it when I asked you. Yeah, because, Sarah, there you go. I got it all. You didn't know it when I asked you. Well, it took me a minute. So, yeah.
4: that's You a, played a Bishop Carroll under the Great Dusty Trail?
3: Uh, I think that's right, although Alan Shuckman may have been there for part of that have. journey. Yeah. And uh, next week on the show, besides talking Big 12 football, we'll start to... Uh, get into high school football, because that, my friends, is just around the corner. That does start next Friday. A week from Friday, we've Thursday got high too, school we got some football games. games. It's crazy. And here they're out there trying to practice in ridiculous heat. Well, they're practicing early, early in the morning. Early, early in the morning, but you you got to do something in the afternoon. I hope they're doing it uh, responsibly and as much. I don't think they're allowed. I
4: think one of the temperatures, I don't know. There's some rules out there that maybe they're not even allowed to go outside.
3: Well, I hope, I hope they all, uh, take that into account. I hope they follow all the
4: rules. I'm sure they will. No one wants the youngsters to get ill or no, nobody
3: wants that, but very short amount of time to prepare, uh, but these these folks now are running weights and seven on seven. They're they're fine. They'll be ready. They're they're all good. Do we have Northwest Bishop Carroll right out of the chute again this year? You know year? we do. Do we? Yes. How do you know that? I just know it. I've been working on
4: uh, high school football stuff over at Channel Twelve. Really? Yeah. What yeah. have you learned? Uh, not much. I'm just kind of building a database of information, like a little resource guide to have. Uh, so when I go into work on Fridays, I can have everything kind of at the ready, go get my scores.
3: Are you working Friday evenings? Is that Probably. my
4: understanding? Yeah. I might go in Saturday mornings or at least do some work from home on keeping statistics updated. I'm only doing Wichita area stuff, but still a lot.
3: Well, what is Wichita area? Any, anything in the KWCH viewing? No, like like what the Wichita area was for the Eagle. So the AV CTL, yeah, Central Plains, Plains Central Kansas South League, Central Borders, yeah. Uh, you you'll get enough. We have plenty. You'll get enough covered. Uh, all right, Max Power our producer engineer. We're going to take a break, come back and talk OU football. This will be our last Oklahoma football preview as they uh, obviously head to the SEC after this year. Ryan Aber Rider from the Daily Oklahoman down in Oklahoma City will join us next.
0: Call from Mom. Answer it
2: This is the Bob and Jeff Show on 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Up
3: on Ups and downs, the musical theme for this week. Power Picking the Music, the Foundation's Build Me Up Buttercup. Great tune. We are joined by Ryan Aber from the Daily Oklahoman. He covers Oklahoma athletics. We're going to talk some OU football here on the show. Ryan, hello, welcome.
5: Hey, thanks for having me on this afternoon. How are y'all doing?
3: Oh, you bet. We love uh, love having you on. It's football season, even though it's a million degrees out right now. Uh, So Oklahoma had a, a... Atypical season to say the least. Last year, the rebuild begins. There's hope. They are ranked 20th in the AP preseason poll. Uh, are they worthy of that ranking, and what do they have to do to maybe even be better than that?
5: Yeah, I think certainly they've got a chance to be worthy of that
3: ranking. It's hard to, uh, you know, in pic-
5: picture just how things will go with the, the rebuild that they've done, especially on the defensive side a lot of new faces in the transfer portal which gives you a, a chance to rebuild maybe a little bit quicker uh, than you could in the past but at the same time you never quite know how all of that's going to come together and then on the offensive side there's a, a lot of uh, bright spots you like what uh, the offensive line looks like uh, even though they lost a uh, first and the third rounder at uh, the tackle spots it looks like they could have a chance to be more physical uh, in, in those positions and then at running back with Javante Barnes and even Gavin Sawchuk, who didn't play a ton last year, but we're solid coming back. Dylan Gabriel, at quarterback. But uh, again, some more questions over there, especially at wide receiver, who outside of Jalil Farouk and Drake Stoops are going to be playmakers at the receiver spot. So I, I think this is as big of a swing between best case and worst case scenario uh, that, that I can remember, at least on my time during the OU beat. But the schedule... Uh, gives them a chance to be better record-wise, significantly better record-wise, even if they're a similar team than they were a year ago because they don't have to play uh, Kansas State, a team that's sort of been a thorn in their side. They don't have to play uh, uh, Texas Tech, who has given them some issues, Baylor. So the schedule is pretty forgiving for them and then their non-conference schedule uh, with Georgia being taken out thanks to uh, their move to the SEC next year. Uh, became a a lot easier as well. So uh, a pretty wide variety of uh, where, where things could go both positively and negatively with this team.
4: Yeah, you mentioned the defense, not just one of the worst in, in the Big 12 last year, but one of the worst uh, in the country. And that's obviously a surprise for a Brent Venables team. So would you say that was schematic? Was that coaching? Was that personnel? And after all they've uh, done in the transfer portal to address that, do they feel that as though it will be improved just based on personnel, or have they made other adjustments too?
5: Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing was personnel for them last year. One – that uh, you know, they were largely working with a group of players brought in to play Alex Grinch's defense and not Brent Finable's defense. And there was a lot of adjustment to that, uh, most notably with Deshaun White in that Cheetah role, which is sort of a hybrid linebacker uh, and, and defensive back spot, And nobody that they really had fit well into that, but uh, sort of did the best he could there. And then, uh, depth at several positions wasn't what they would have liked. Linebackers had to play, you know, ninety to ninety-five percent of the snaps last year, and that's just uh, unsustainable when you're uh, trying to do the things that you've got to do to be successful defensively in the Big 12. And then looking forward even next year to that move to the SEC, where things uh, take a, a, an even bigger step. So they feel a lot better about the depth that they've got this year, both with uh, some of the the freshmen that they added, most notably Peyton Bowen in the the secondary, the five-star recruit who wound up choosing them over Oregon at the last minute, sort of even after signing day uh, last year. And then all of the additions that they've made in the portal uh, with Reggie Pearson at safety, but especially in the defensive line, when they had Rondell Bothroyd from Wake Forest, Trace Ford, from Oklahoma State, who has had some really bright moments. His question has just been, can he stay healthy or not? Uh, Davin Sears from Texas State and uh, Jacob Lacey from Notre Dame and, and a couple of uh, uh, even newer options with uh, DeJount Terry uh, from uh, Tennessee. So they've got uh, added a lot of bodies there, but uh, a lot of bodies that outside of Bothroyd and Trace Ford are largely unproven uh, at this level.
3: Ryan Aber, Aber, our guest, beat writer for the Daily Oklahoman, covers Oklahoma athletics. Uh, As we all know, this is a football program that has had enormous star power. Uh, It's not quite that way right now. The AP released its preseason All-America team uh, first and second. There are no Oklahoma players on that list. I can't imagine that's been the case very often. Uh, over the past 50 years or so, are you? Uh, what What do you think about uh, Brent Venables and his recruiting? Is that star power going to come back?
5: It certainly looks that way. They've been recruiting better. You know, I mentioned Peyton Bowen uh, there earlier. They've got a couple of uh, similar type guys defensively in next year's class. Now, the, what, where they really need to take a big step forward is on the defensive line, and they've been a little bit better but I think they need to be even better than they've been. You know, if they were able to get David Stone, ultimately that would be a big get for them in improving that defensive line, missed out on Williams, one area, uh, you know, the kid from uh, uh, the the Kansas city area that uh, committed to Missouri was uh, a, a tough loss for them. But generally recruiting hasn't been an issue. Now I think at this point though, they've got to start showing success on the field to be able to sustain that recruiting success because it becomes a lot uh, more difficult to sell recruits if you can't point to recent success. And they've been able to point to the success of uh, Clemson and uh, other programs where their assistant coaches have been, but it's getting to the point where they're going to have to point out their own success. And if they're not able to uh, turn a corner this year, I think recruiting uh, momentum can slow down really quick.
4: So we know uh, Dylan Gabriel, a quarterback, is, is solid, maybe not spectacular. We also know that last time uh, Oklahoma turned to a freshman uh, in the middle of the season, it started to change the trajectory of that season. And then Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley left for USC. So how safe is, is Dylan Gabriel with, uh, with Jackson Arnold, the Gatorade National Player of the Year, behind him? And uh, will they want to give Jackson Arnold some looks there just uh, as they go into the SEC next year?
5: Yeah, I think you you will see Jackson Arnold a little bit now. I think they much preferred if he played a couple of times in those first three games, and then you just sort of put him in a glass case as a you know breaking case of emergency type thing. But uh, I think Dylan Gabriel is pretty solid there. You know he you know clearly wasn't the the kind of star player that OU has gotten used to at quarterback, but virtually nobody's going to be with uh, the the success that they've had at that position over the last decade or so. But there are things certainly that they would like Dylan Gabriel to clear up. Uh, I think ideally for them, they would like to ease Jackson Arnold into things, be able to preserve that red shirt, and uh, have Dylan Gabriel improve a little bit in those late game situations and make a little bit better decisions there, but uh, still uh, roll with them. But Jackson Arnold is a really nice option to have if they uh, wind up needing him. You know, last year when Gabriel went down against TCU, it was, uh, you know, a lot of uh, duct tape and and chicken wire trying to keep that position together with uh, how they used Braden Willis and Eric Gray and Marvin Mims and a lot of non-quarterbacks to play quarterback in that 49-0 loss to Texas. They wouldn't be in that position this year because they feel a whole lot better about what Jackson Arnold brings but if things do go south early in the season, I don't think there's any doubt you're going to start hearing chants of, you know, we want Jackson among the, uh, the OU fans. We heard it a few years ago with when Spencer Rattler struggled. It wound up working out pretty good with him, with Caleb Williams. Now, I think uh, Dylan Gabriel's a better quarterback now than Spencer Rattler was then, but Jackson Arnold certainly has the kind of potential to be a Caleb Williams-type uh, difference maker. They would just prefer it to be down the line and, uh, you know, make that transition next year to the SEC with him uh, starting quarterback and not this year.
3: Ryan Aber, our guest from the Daily Oklahoman. We're talking Oklahoma football as we begin uh, Big 12 previews. And I'm sure you've been asked this question a million times, uh, but bedlam is such a huge thing uh, in college football, even though Oklahoma has dominated it. Uh, That final Bedlam game uh, will happen on November 4th in Stillwater. Uh, If I want a ticket for that, what do I need to do?
5: (laughs) You better start saving about uh, five years ago. I think it's going to be a really hot ticket there in Stillwater. And, heck, they uh, sold out their season tickets for the first time in in quite a while. At, At one point, they had bundled the Bedlam ticket where you had to buy a season ticket to get that and uh, they they still hadn't been able to reach that level. They reached that level this year, and I think there's a lot of fervor uh, for that game. Obviously, Oklahoma State's a team in a little bit of a transition itself, but they're going to be fired up for that game in Stillwater for sure, and who knows when we're going to see it again. So I think you're only going to see ticket prices for that uh, go up and up, especially if OU and OSU are successful, because I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to want to uh, get themselves into the stands for that matchup.
3: You got your feet uh, in Oklahoma every day. What is the general mood of Oklahoma State fans when it comes to this move uh, by Oklahoma? Of course, it's uh, it's been in the works for a long time. It's on the cusp of happening. Uh, but what it, what is the mood? Why does that game uh, have such fervor? Well,
5: I, I think it, it started off, as, uh, Oh, OSU fans were, you know, there's a lot of trepidation there with what was going to happen. Would OSU be able to land in a power conference? You know, how would uh, things shake out there when all the cars finish falling? But now that OSU is, is in a big 12 that looks, uh, you know, in a really good position to be competitive moving forward with not only the four new additions this year, but, uh, the new additions coming aboard from the PAC 12 next year. I think it's one of, uh, I'm not going to quite going to say good riddance, but there's a, a lot of OSU fans who feel you know really good about where they stand and they're not going to uh, lose a lot of sleep over not being able to play. OU every year. I, I think ultimately that series will be revived somewhere. Somehow. I don't know if it'll wind up being able to be an annual thing, but I think it's going to happen at some point, but uh, uh, certainly the, the mood has changed among Oklahoma State fans, where I think they're a lot more content with the way things have fallen out now uh, than they were a couple years ago when we first found out this thing, and it looked like maybe the Big 12 could cease to exist. Now the Big 12 is uh, you know, in a, a pretty good position uh, behind the SEC and the Big 10, obviously, and, and significantly behind, but still in solid position to thrive uh, long-term moving forward, and they feel a whole lot better about things uh, than they did uh, back then.
3: A much softer landing. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I was just going to ask, you mentioned the
4: schedule and OU doesn't play Kansas State, Texas Tech, or Baylor. So just how difficult will it be not only to evaluate Oklahoma but the the entire Big 12 as the season goes along when there's not really much balance to uh, the schedule?
5: Yeah, it's going to be weird. You know, one of the big selling points of the Big 12 the last few years has been that, you know, one true champion uh, motto and, and talked about playing the, the round robin and how that helped determine a pretty clear clear winner. Uh, that, that won't be the case this year. I think certainly that Big 12 championship game takes on a little bit different significance now just because you're going to see teams that, haven't played the same group of opponents, and and you're going to have to evaluate in a different kind of way. It's going to be interesting because, you know, we talked about OU schedule. It's fairly light. You've got a a Cincinnati team that's in a a big transition. You've got, you know, Central Florida going through a little bit of transition uh, themselves and making that leap up to the Big 12 level. Uh, BYU and then some of the other teams that they play in the Big 12, maybe not uh, ones that you expect to finish at the top, and then in the non-conference side, you've got Arkansas State, uh, Tulsa, and uh, SMU there. So they don't have that marquee uh, non-conference game. So there's certainly evaluation when you talk about not only OU and, and some of the other ones, but really the, the league across the board is going to be a lot more difficult uh, this year. But, you know, all the other leagues uh, find a way to do it themselves. So... Uh, you know, we'll see how everything uh, shakes out uh, there at the end. But I think certainly in OU's case, it's a positive for them maybe to build a little bit of momentum and potentially get them back into the Big 12 championship game uh, for a final time before they make that leap uh, next year.
3: All right, good stuff talking Oklahoma football. Before I let you go, I got to mention something uh, professionally. uh, Two friends of mine, especially uh, Barry Trammell, but also, Jenny Carlson leaving the newspaper business, leaving uh, the Daily Oklahoman, uh, starting some other venture. That's uh, big news in your state.
5: Yeah, it really is. And it was really weird being in our Monday morning meeting uh, this morning without those two. And those those two have set the standard for uh, the Oklahoman for... uh, you know, just personally, they sort of set the culture in our newsroom and not just in the sports department, but period. And, you know, been such a big part of, I mean, heck, Barry, Barry Trammell's the reason why I became a sports writer, reading him growing up. And uh, it was a great honor to work next to both of them. They are better, they are fantastic writers, but even better people. And I know that sort of gets overused, but if it applies to anybody, it applies to those two. And uh, I really hope that this new venture uh, turns out well for them because they both deserve an incredible amount of success, and they've been such a big part of uh, my career uh, growing up and also making the Oklahoma and what it's been. And we're going to uh, you know, find a way to move on and, and have success uh, without those two, but certainly uh, it's going to be strange uh, not uh, sitting next to those guys uh, day in and day out, because they are both fantastic at what they do and and who they
3: are. Very nice, Ryan. Thank you for your time. We'll talk to you down the line.
5: Sounds great. I always enjoy it. Thank you all for having me on.
3: You bet. Ryan Aber from the Daily Oklahoman, our first of how many teams we got now, 14, 14. Big 12 football previews. We'll preview Cincinnati later in the show. Uh, so a 1958 game-worn Mickey Mantle jersey. Uh, was auctioned off and it sold for 4.7 million. You looked at the you found the story. I didn't, of course, you did. No, I did not. Is that what it is? Yes, I'm I swear of on everything. You saw the story. I did not, 4.68 million. Okay, I didn't, I did you not. You saw s- the story. No, I didn't. We are thrilled to have Craig Ferguson as our next guest. He'll be performing at the Orpheum Theater tomorrow night at eight o'clock. A few tickets still available. You need to get down and see uh, Mr. Ferguson, who I I have difficulty, Craig, and first of all, welcome to the show. I have difficulty really identifying you. You are all over the place, books, movies, television. I I guess I'd call you a comedic entrepreneur. Is that a good description?
0: (laughs) Yeah, you could call me that, or you could call me uh, something a little less uh, um, flattering. Maybe some kind of showbiz grifter or, a, or a, an immigrant taking jobs that Americans don't want. I don't know what it is, but, I, you know, it's all, for me, it's all part of the same thing. But the bottom line is, is stand-up comedy. That, that was where I started, and, and that's what my thing is. It's kind of like, you know, if, if you learn to play the, the violin, you know, or the fiddle, uh, you know, you, you go and you play it and then you play with an orchestra or you'll maybe compose some music or you'll maybe, you know, play in a band or maybe you'll write a, you know a score for a movie. But really what you do is you play a fiddle. That's what you do. And that's what I do. And I do stand up. That's my thing.
4: Yeah, so I'm always intrigued by the the comedians who who will come to Wichita. We don't get we don't get all of them, uh but uh, we get several uh big names and I'm just curious how, you know, your talk show and everything like uh, everything else that uh, that you've done have helped you appeal to to middle America and what kind of experiences you've had in front of uh, Midwestern audiences in the past.
5: I think that the
0: Midwestern audiences are kind of like, you know, they're kind of like midwestern people is like they're they're polite uh but they but they ain't stupid and that's <laughs> that's a mistake i think a lot of people make in the midwest um i i, I love it it's always i mean wichita has always been uh, a regular stop for me on tours uh and i'm going up through kansas city and all over and go to iowa and des moines and uh iowa city and des moines i i kind of I I always make sure I do the Midwest. That's kind of, it's America.
3: Talking with Craig Ferguson again at the Orpheum Theater. He will be performing tomorrow night, the 22nd, at 8 o'clock. So you really became, uh, you really got on my radar when you were on the Drew Carey show. I'm sure that's not the first time you've heard that. Do you view, view that as your biggest breakthrough of your career or... Or was it later when you got your own uh, late night talk show?
0: I think both of these things were kind of a gear change, you know. I mean, it's like when you get to work. The Drew Carey show, which was in the nineties, was—I mean, I loved doing that, and I'm still friends with most of the cast of that show, and still see each other and stuff. And it was a great time, and it was a—that was a kind of boom time for sitcoms as well. I mean, I mean, the internet was kind of in its infancy, and people still watched. Network TV in a way that they kind of don't anymore, and then the late night show was just a different animal, you know. I mean that was that was like a, getting a rocket tied to your butt, you know. What I mean that was it takes off and you you go where it's going. Um, so it, it was it was uh they were both gear changes breakthrough, yeah. I suppose they were both of them.
4: Yeah, for sure. So I I saw a a print interview that you've uh, done recently and uh, it was before a a stop on your tour and you talked about, well, something will come up. So, you know, how much is of of your performance is just kind of a riff and and talking about whatever comes to your mind and how much uh, is, quote unquote, material?
0: Well, I mean, it's it's kind of a hybrid because the reason I love stand up is because uh, it is. An organic one-off thing. That's why I love live stand-up comedy. So, you know, I'll give you an example. The other night, I I uh, I'm doing a show in somewhere in Colorado, and uh, about ten minutes into the show, a very nice old lady walked up the front of the stage, uh, past security, and not that there was that much security, but uh, she walked up and she handed me a photograph of my own dog that she'd printed out from the internet, and it's like. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, sweetheart, for that picture of my own dog. I've got some pictures of my own dog, but you can't have too many. And then, of course, the thing is that that, that event turns into a whole running joke for that evening. Now, I'm never going to do that that dog bet again, but that's what happens that night. And uh, stand-up for me, you know, live stand-up is, is like that in the sense that it will always only exist in – in that place in that evening and that's why I love it most of all right now people see a lot of stand-up you know in little clips on TikTok or YouTube and stuff like that and I think that's a pretty good way to do it because they just watch little bits you know for me if you're going to watch a a whole stand-up show I mean I'm on stage for nearly two hours in order to do that you kind of have to be there you don't want to watch it on your TV you want to be there I mean I've made stand-up specials and They're okay, but it's much better
3: to be in the room. Talking uh, with uh, comedian Craig Ferguson. He'll be at the Orpheum uh, tomorrow night. So your years of of doing the late show, and you did that for a long time. I've always been curious. I've never spoken to anybody who hosted a network late-night show, so uh, you're the first person I'm going to ask this question of. Were there guests that you knew would, would be hot and guests that you knew that wouldn't be?
0: Uh, you know, in the sense of would they be able to ha- have a conversation and hang out and be relaxed? Is that what you mean? Yeah.
3: yeah I'm, I think I'm that... thinking specifically of Don Rickles, who seemed to love being on your show. <laughs>
0: it's because he was my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved Don so much. You know, the first time... Uh, you know, it was a big it was a big honor for me when I got to meet Don, and he's, he's like he's a huge legend in, in American college, just in American show business. And you you wouldn't meet a sweeter man, you know, you just couldn't meet a sweeter man. All that you know, the kind of acerbic nature of his stand up was not who he was in in his life. He was such a sweet man, and him and Barbara, uh, his wife, came to uh, my house the first time they came at a dinner party in my house. He got to my house. And I opened the door. He gave me a dollar. And he said, look, I, I want you to put that towards getting a better house. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I think that that guy, I, I don't know if everyone responds to that. But to me, that, I loved him so much. So when he was on the show, you know, he would, you know, he'd have a go at me. But I could also have a go at him because he knew I loved him. And, and so I always knew it was fine. So a lot of people who came on the old show Became friends of mine. You know, Robin Williams was a friend of mine. You know, Carrie Fisher was a friend of mine. You know, they, they, they. Uh, you know, Angela Kinsey is still a friend of mine. You know, they, they, they're, people become. You, you meet people at work, and some of them you become friends with, and some of them, you know.
4: Yeah, definitely. So you know, you hear a lot of of veteran quote unquote comedians. Uh, These days talking about what you can't say and and you can't talk about this. You don't seem like you, you would ever have that complaint or that problem. So for you personally, what has kind of been the the biggest adjustment uh, in the stand up world over the last 30 years or so, how have you had to kind of grow and evolve with the times?
0: I don't, I don't worry too much about what you can and can't say. I think that, you know, I, I always, the criteria I always had for comedy is it, does it, it make me laugh? You know, obviously attitudes change over time and, you know, th- there are things that do that. But I don't really, you know, I don't really get overly concerned about that. The only, th- the only one big change that I have done, that I have made personally, is that about six or seven years ago I made a stylistic choice to not do any political humor at all. None. Uh, the, absolutely zero. No politics. No politicians mentioned. No uh, no position taken in, in a in a political environment. And the reason I did that really was was more because I wanted to experiment with it because everyone else seemed to be you know heading in a different direction, you know. And I I have a friend, uh, a good friend. Uh, well, I, he's good stand up. Uh, uh, Jim Gaffigan. And you you know Jim right? It, Jim made yeah, a stylistic sir. choice that he would all he would never cuss during the show. Now, that's a stylistic. Now I know Jim cusses as much as anybody else cusses in their life, but he made a stylistic choice and a and a, he gave himself a challenge to do stand up without doing that, uh, which I thought was interesting. So I thought I would do the same myself with politics. How do you make it funny? How do you make it engaging and current and 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 right now and 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 most of all funny but not do politics because i i got kind of sick of it
4: so craig I, I i know my dad has one more question but i just wanted to uh sort of thank you i guess in a way for the show the hustler cuz that was one of those post pandemic shows I, I don't know why it wasn't picked up but uh for me personally, it got me through some some times where I was getting a little lonely uh, during that pandemic. I watched that show every week, and I thought you were great on it. I thought it was a great concept. I don't know, if the, the with the writer's strike and everything, if that would ever come back, but uh, I enjoyed that show.
0: Well, thank you, Angel. We actually shot it during the pandemic, so it was a very, very tricky show to do. Um, everybody had to be tested all the time, and they were like, uh, a lot of medical staff around, we were doing it, but it, you know, I, I like doing that show and yeah, you never know where a show it comes. They come and go. It's, if there's one thing I know about show business, you just never know what's coming next. Yep.
3: So, and we're again talking with Craig Ferguson, the final question. You, uh, you obviously came to America from Scotland and, and hit it big as a comedian, but I think recently you've moved, uh, in, in the last few years, you've moved back to Scotland. Did you do that to avoid hurricanes?
0: <laughs> no, because like anyone who moves to uh, to Scotland for the weather is a damn fool. Uh, no, what I, uh, I I I'm in Scotland a lot of the time, but I actually spend a lot of the time in the United States as well. I I have a place in New York, and and I'm there a lot of the time. So you know, I I had you know I'm lucky enough to have a place in Scotland, but I you know if you talk to the IRS, they will assure you they Every year they come right to me and I'm I'm still an American.
3: Well, I made that reference to hurricanes because I believe you were uh headquartered in Los Angeles for a while certainly. I
5: was. Uh, uh, I I was
0: there 23 years.
3: Yeah, there you go. Well, we appreciate it. Yeah, before you leave, tell us a little bit about your show. What should people look look forward to?
0: Well, well, look, I think we'll look forward to what you can look forward to is this. I'll be there. You'll be there. I can't promise any more than that. I'm not going to talk about <laughs> any political stuff. So if you want that, there's plenty of other places to get it. But other than that, I'll be there.
3: Well, we really appreciate your time. Best of luck on your tour, and thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Speak to you soon.